everybody, Coach John Daly here back again. Today's date is August 4th, 2020. It's a Tuesday. Got another very special first-time guest on the other end of my line and the other end of my screen here this morning. Uh, we got the coffee flowing, but Tyler James is in the house. Tyler, how the heck are you, my friend? I'm good, John. How are you doing today? Doing great, doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, you're an hour behind me, right, because you're in the Chicago area. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. One hour. And so are you a morning person naturally, or is this something that was a struggle for you? <laughs> um, well, being, being in the golf business, I guess you kind of have to adapt to being a morning person. But, yeah, I guess I'd say I always kind of been a morning person. I get my stuff done early, so this isn't too bad. There you go. Good. I'm glad. Well, you, you just kind of gave a clue to our listeners as far as what you do uh, in the golf business. And, uh, you know, me being a golfer, mostly by name other than by my game, um, morning is the best time I think to play golf. And so you're right. There's a lot of times in, in the golf industry in the golf game where uh, mornings are special, where you got to either you're getting out there to play or you're getting, a, you know, getting up to set things up. So um, where are you working at? What do you do now? So I'm working at Bobbling Golf Club in Highland Park, Chicago. So it's about 30 minutes north of the city. Um, and currently I'm a PGA professional, so I kind of handle a lot of the day-to-day uh, -day operations in the golf shop outside. And so I work with the caddies outside, uh, schedule some of their loops, and then work with the merchandising side a little bit and um, special orders, things like that. And just kind of being a private club, just kind of tending to members' needs and things like that. So a little bit of everything. Very cool. So a PGA professional, how hard was that to uh to get your your pga professional card um i well the, the stereotype is that you know golf is kind of an easy business to get into um, <laughs> essentially it's it, it's it's actually a very very tough business to uh, go to school for and four and a half years you have to do 16 months of internships you have to go through three levels of coursework and you have to pass the playing ability test in order to become a professional so there's a lot that goes into it and obviously a stereotype it's, it's just golf what is what does it really mean and it's you know it's essentially working in the business you know you get a business degree and you get a certification at the end of the day that says hey you're a professional in your field so there's there's a lot of work there's a lot of time that goes into it and you know I'm, I'm proud to say that I only graduated and started working in my way like get my feet in the door Fantastic. Wow, I know. So it's been a lot of hard work and, and that there is a big misconception now. Oh, golf's a game and it's fun and we see it on TV and they look so right. cool and uh, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. So why don't you, why don't we uh, back the truck up here a little bit and, um, you know, where'd you grow up? Uh, did you go to school at Lakeshore all 12 years or all 13 years of kindergarten or whatever or um, in your family dynamics a little bit, any siblings or in, and kind of where uh, Tyler James got his start? Yeah, so I grew up in, uh, I, was, I was born in Gross Point, and so um, I was born in Gross Point, and we moved to East Point when I was one, and then we got out of East Point when I was four and moved to Sinclair Shores, and um, from there, I, um, like you said, I went, I went to Lakeshore in high school, Kennedy Rogers, so I kind of stayed in Lakeshore's district throughout my childhood, and um, kind of grew up playing baseball down at, you know, on uh, Kite Monroe. Yep. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Kite Monroe. I played baseball growing up and a lot of basketball and golf was kind of not, not really a um, kind of an afterthought almost. Okay. I didn't really, I, I just played it for fun, played a couple times a year with my father, 
on vacation, but not like taking it seriously or anything. And, uh, and then I got to my, what was it? My freshman year in, in high school. And I decided that baseball was no longer something I really enjoyed playing that much, but, and so I decided to try golf in the spring and I, I really loved it. I thought it was, you know, it's a different atmosphere than playing in baseball because you're essentially not playing for a team. You're playing for yourself. And so there's a lot of different dynamics that goes into it. And I enjoyed the competitive aspect of golf mm. more than I did baseball. And so from then on, I, you know, I practiced every day, played every day, started working in golf. And um, well, from, that, from then on, I just, just kind of took off and decided I want to keep playing and keep in the business. And so I decided to go to school for it and, and the rest is history. And I guess to answer your other question, I have a brother and a sister. Um, sister is two years younger than I am. My brother is three years younger. And uh, my brother actually goes to Ferris too. So okay. that's pretty cool. And my sister is still um, doing community college and she's working um, something in graphic design. And so. Nice. Very cool. So you mentioned basketball also. Did you have a slight advantage in the game of basketball? <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I kind of had height on my side. And so I was always a little bit taller, most of the kids in, in uh, middle school. And then I hit a seven-inch growth spurt when I was in uh, freshman year of high school. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, so a lot of the guys kind of started recruiting me in a way. Right, right. They saw you and they're like, holy cow, hey, tryouts here this yeah. date, you know. And Who, Who's this guy, right? Right. No kidding. <laughs> so growing up, you had a love of all different sports and, uh, you know, you enjoyed probably doing stuff with friends and. Uh, yeah, I was I was a very active kid growing up. That's cool. That's cool. That's great to hear. So with the golf game, um, I remember we we worked together in a couple classes, I think, uh, in high school. And then um, we had a conversation a week or so ago um, because I was trying to uh, just remember, which I need to do a lot of these days. Um, <laughs> when when was it that you really kind of started looking at the business angle, and then you started, you know, deciding that you know what I can connect this with golf too. And then how did you end up at Ferris State? So senior year of high school, and it's not really that great of a story, but it was more of I need to find something I want to do out of high school. Hmm. And so I started looking at different places that offered business degrees, which I wanted to get into the business side of whatever it may be. And um, I, saw, I saw an ad from Ferris State uh, when I was in class looking for uh, different colleges, I saw professional golf management hmm. and it kind of struck my attention. I had no idea what it was. I didn't even know they had schools for golf. And so I took a look into it and it sounded pretty good, almost too good to be true. So I, I can play golf and get a business degree. <laughs> Come on, who, what school offers that? So I, I dived into it. I called Ferris and asked, Hey, and I get some more information on this. They gave me more information, took a couple tours. And from there, you know, I, I said, hey, mom, dad, I, I want to do this. Um, I want to, you know, they're obviously happy I stayed in Michigan. They could still come see me. But right. um, I decided, yeah, I'm going to give this a try. And um, first year, I absolutely loved it. Mm. And I knew from then, it's like, hey, if I can get good at this and you know, continue to progress my knowledge in the game, I think I'm going to make a career out of this. And 
four and a half years later, five years later, it's the best decision I made. Oh, wow. Absolutely great. It's a great decision. And I love the game still. And I love being at work every day. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, more than half the battle all throughout life. If, if you, wherever you're getting up every day to go and do something, and you love that, there's not any dread getting out of bed and, you know, start, you know, feeling horrible. And, you know, you're, you're energetic, you're excited, you're looking forward to the day. That's fantastic. So did you play golf? Was there a golf team at Ferris? Did you play golf there or just went to school? So I, I did a little bit of club golf for two years um, and a little bit of um, amateur, amateur golf as well. So I, I did do that competitive aspect for a couple of years. Okay. Um, I didn't essentially play on the team, but I was, I was close with a lot of the people there because a lot of the golf teams PGM. So I obviously get to play with them a lot. And that made me a better player because mm. these, these people are, you know, really, really good at what they do. And, you know, they're, they're very close. They're good friends. So I can still be very competitive playing with them. But I did play a little bit of club golf for a few years just to, you know, keep that competitive aspect in the game. And um, I plan on playing some professional events coming up, sectional events. And so I um, got, got to make sure the game's sharp for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a whole different level than, uh, than teaching and, you know, working in the shop and, you know, working with the caddies and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, so, and part of being a professional, too, in my opinion, is you have to have, you have to be essentially pretty good at the game, mm. because yeah. when you work at a private club, they, the members expect you to have some sort of competitive aspect when you play, if, at least that's in my opinion, and so whatever gets you out of bed and keeps you wanting to play a game, and that's my, that's my, uh, my thought reasoning behind that. I want to be good enough so the members feel I provide a, a different aspect to the game as far as being a professional, whether it's working in the shop, working with the caddies, that's great. But can you play the game? And yes. they respect you more at the end of the day if you can play the game. Absolutely. That's good, man. That's So you do have some, um, some aspirations of, like you said, trying some sectional play, um, trying to get in some tournaments is, is the corn Ferry tour. One of those things is, is, is it all the ultimate dream to get onto the PGA tour someday? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the professional side? Of the um, yeah. So it, depending on how much time I have, I, it's, it's hard with working 60, 70 hours a week mm. right now to really get good at the game. <laughs> my, so my end, my end goal behind playing professionally is essentially getting to sectional events and then working my way up, hopefully qualifying for um, a PGA sectional event. And if I make it through that, I can ultimately work my way up into the PGA professional championship, which is a group of 110 players, all PGA professionals and a top 20 advance to the PGA championship. And so my goal is to end up, that top 20 aspect in the PGA championship okay. and qualify for that, for that national championship. And hopefully if I make the cut, I get invited next year gotcha. to the next PGA championship. And hopefully that kind of snowballs into some kind of career. But as far as trying to make to the corn ferry, maybe it, it all depends, but okay. um, I want to start kind of smaller and then work my way up and see how I handle some of the pressure because tournament plays obviously way different 
than playing recreationally or with friends. It's Absolutely. a whole different atmosphere. So I feel like I should get my feet wet first and then see, hey, how can I handle the pressure? How can I handle, you know, 36 holes, two days of just, you know, really solid golf and really solid competition. Right. And so um, that, that's kind of my goal is try start off small first and then, hey, if I can handle that, yeah, go ahead. Try to try to make a, a mini tour cut or try to try to qualify for a corn fairy tour event. Yeah. That's fantastic. You, you have a lot of wisdom in you already, my friend. That, that, sounds like a, Thank you. that sounds like a good plan. That's very cool. I mean, one thing, there's a lot of people that love golf. There's a lot of people that um, don't understand it, don't care. A lot of people hate golf. Um, but I think golf is, is one of those games, like you said, a lot of times you're out there by yourself, but you're out there with friends and you're out there with people. And, and on your side of it, um, in the marketing, the business side, the um, you know, helping members, teaching them the caddies and all that, it's about relationships, isn't it? And it's, it's one of those important things that that's what life is all about. That's all of life. So I think if you're involved in the golf industry, you have some connections right then and there that start you out through life, don't you? Yeah, it's, it's really just a game of um, building relationships. And that's, that's something I've noticed about being in the business is that it's so closely knitted and so closely connected to each other that everybody knows everybody. And so you can make an, a great impression on someone and that's going to lead you into different, different sides of the golf mm. industry you never thought were possible. Or, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if you're bad with uh, making friends or bad relationships, then it can ultimately affect you in the long run. So it's really important, you know, to always be who you are and really just be a, uh, treat people like you want to be treated. Absolutely. And, and it's going to take you far in this industry. And that's kind of where I'm at. And that's how I ended up at Bobolink is because of word of mouth and, um, you know, just being a really good person and, you know, caring about the game. Yeah. And so if you care about the game, you build relationships and you're just a generally a good person, you're going to, you can make it far you can make, yeah. and, and anything you do. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's golf or it, anything you do, college, you know, just starting out, just, be a good person, be who you are and people will accept you and you'll, you'll go far. That's awesome. I remember having conversations with you in school about that. And you, you showed that in school, you showed that from the first time I met you, um, that you had that. So back in, uh, whether it be high school, middle school, athletics, not athletics, were there some relationships that really made a difference for you, whether it be your parents, whether it be a, a teacher, a coach, uh, a counselor, administrator, you know, somebody, who kind of um, really made an impact on you uh, way back then? That's a good question. Um, obviously, my parents had a very good influence on what I did throughout high school, and they always kind of checked me and made sure that I was doing the right thing. Mm. Because there were times in high school, you know how it is, it, you know, some of the kids, you're growing up still, you make dumb decisions. It happens. And I even did it in college. but ultimately they they led me in the right direction like hey you do whatever you want to do you mm -hmm. do what makes you happy and you'll figure it out at the end of the day and, and they gave me they kind of planted that seed as the what guidelines they wanted me to have and um just being a good person and yeah. so obviously my parents had a big influence you had a big influence in high school as far as taking that next step as to what do you want to do in life what do you want to do mm. and i kind of took your words 
for the for those three months, four months, and hey, do what makes you happy, lead by example, and you'll go far. And so I took my parents' wisdom, I took your wisdom, I took um, I'm sure there were a few others in high school where there's some great teachers that I had, and they all kind of gelled in and kind of made me the person who I am today. Kind of, and you also gave me the opportunity to express myself more because I was a shy kid in high school. I hmm. had a hard time kind of, what's the word, um, explaining myself and kind of broadening my horizons into, you know, how do I differentiate myself from other people? Hmm. And so um, you kind of planted the seed as, as far as, hey, what are you, what are you gonna offer these employers? What are you gonna offer to um, the world when you get out of college? And so I, some of the leadership examples you had, some of the guest teachers you had, guest, uh, the guest people you've had in your class, really good stories. And all those, you know, I took notes and hey, what can I do to kind of blend all that in and then, um, kind of set an example for myself. How can I get back in here and explain my story later on? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what you're kind of doing now, which, which I love. <laughs> Fantastic. No, thank you yeah. very much for those kind words. And I'm glad yeah, you listened because the people that have invested in me and helped me throughout my life, that's what I'm doing now. That's what I've been um, probably all, over the last 15, you know, 20 years of my, this will be year 32 coming up in, uh, in teaching and in, in education. Um, all these messages, all these lessons I've learned, that's what is the foundation of me giving back because of what they've done to me. And, uh, and you're one of them too, from the standpoint of investing in me and the relationship we had and we talked and I learned stuff from you. And, I, and it was exciting for me to see you excited about your future and to um, you know, get fired up and, and kind of the doors are opening for you uh, in this world of golf. And uh, cause I, I do love the game. I, I do love the game. And um uh, what what would be out of your parents since they had obviously a big impact on you? What is um, one trait, one um, lesson that you learned from each of them that you just pride yourself on today? Just you know, because yeah. typically parents, you know, we don't get to pick them, right? And so um, there are lessons, there are good points and bad points of connecting and not connecting with our parents as we as we grow up. Um, so what what might be a couple? Uh, uh, of each for the mom and dad that you picked up and learned? Yeah, so the first one's definitely a hard work ethic. Mm. Um, my dad's always been a hard worker. He always provided for us, even in the toughest times. And he, you know, he's, he's still working 60, 70 hours a week at 61. Jeez, he doesn't slow down. So yeah. um, and that's kind of what I pride myself on. I, I'm a hard worker. Even even if I may not be the smartest and the most intelligent person, I'm going to work hard to try to find a solution. Good. And that's kind of how both my parents are. My mom's the same way. She's a hard worker. She works, you know, a 40 hour a week job and she comes home and she works at home. She works six hours at home cleaning, uh, taking care of us, whether it's making food, whatever it may be. It's, it's a full-time job. Absolutely. And, and so definitely, I know I got both of the hard work ethic from them. Um, communication is another mm. big one. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah, so essentially, you know, you have to make sure you're on the same page with your parents because that seems to be an issue with today's age with the growing number of kids who are 
always on their cell phone and they don't really communicate with their parents enough. Mm. I was lucky enough to be born in an era where we didn't really have the technology that we do today. And so I, you know, was never really playing video games as a kid. I was with my parents. We were outside throwing the ball around, whether it's basketball, baseball. And so we, I've always had that communication aspect with them. I was always, you know, very close to them. And so that's something I think that people should kind of take today is that, hey, you need to, you know, communicate with your parents more or go out and spend time with them because, mm. you know, they're not always going to be around. Yeah. It's, it's so important to, you know, stay close with them and maintain a relationship, maintain that balance because um, at the end of the day, they're going to stand right by your side and they're the closest thing you have in your life. So Absolutely. communication and a hard work ethic mm. are the two important traits I got from That's awesome. That's great. And you're so, it's so right about just uh, working hard at, at investing in the relationship with them because they are your parents and um, they, they are the ones that want you to succeed, you know, probably more than anybody else. And, and they want to Absolutely. see you um, live a good life and, and, and be a good person and everything. So that's good. How, how has it been for you uh, during this pandemic, during uh, what the whole world is going through? Uh, a whole bunch of different industries are affected differently. Uh, it's affected people differently. Um, how's it been for you? So it's been pretty wild. So in January, I accepted a job in Scottsdale, Arizona at a, at a club called Pinnacle Peak Country Club as an assistant professional. And my role was to essentially be kind of the same role at Bob Link where I was working the shop um, most of the time merchandising and that actually got cut kind of short where I was more outside working with carts and so my role wasn't really to, an assistant at that point and when uh, the pandemic started really kind of broadening in March and April it was cut short and so I was essentially laid off okay for my job there and so um, I, I came home in May and kind of wondering, will I ever, you know, go to Bobble Lake? Because I've, I've already had that set up and I was supposed to be there in the middle of May. And I didn't spend about a month at home because the course was closed and finally got back here in June. And so um, it's been, it's been, it's been pretty crazy. It's, it's been kind of hard on all of us, especially being 3000 miles away from family. Mm. Um, you know, obviously they're worried about me. They can't take care of me. It's, um, but you know, it's, it's starting to get better. Um, we're starting to return kind of the normal operations here with obviously precautions and, um, everything, but yeah, the golf industry is actually, believe it or not thriving right now mm. with it's, it's one of the only sports you can actually play right now with it being outside. And yes, um, we've seen, a tremendous amount of round increases here. Um, cart fees are through the roof. We're you know generating so much revenue now, but it's one of the only sports right now you can play. Right. And so the golf industry is there's a lot of new new uh, players coming into golf right now because of this. And so you have a lot of uh, untapped market that you can essentially get into. And there's these new players that would never play, but hey, they're kind of forced to now. They got to find something to do. Right. And so they're trying golf. And it's so important for people in the golf industry right now to realize that and mm. try to try to get into that market and say, hey, we want you guys to start playing golf more. 
even if you don't want to play every single day, we want you to still be involved and we want you to like the game. Right. So that can be huge for a golfer now because it's been on a steady decline for the last six, seven years. And so this could be the turning point for the industry, but obviously in the wrong reasons. Right. But we can still make a positive out of it as far as, you know, these, these new people can actually enjoy, you know, a different sport that they never thought they, they could before. Right. That kind of led me to the thought I had was, um, of course, you, you know, nobody wanted this to happen, but there are positives that can come from it. And you just brought up some because golf's a game that any age can play, right? As, as soon as you can hold a club and you can walk, right, and you get the hand-eye right, coordination, exactly. you know, all the way up to, you know, you can be 100 years old and still out there playing, which yeah. is one of the, um, I think, big pluses that this sport has over any other sport. You know, you can always do it. That's fantastic. Um, looking at, I, I wrote down some things here. Um, watching some video clips of you, as, as you, you've documented um, yourself traveling some different courses, um, you know, the hard work. I, I found one where um, you were kind of showing the, the emotional toll that this game can have just from, you know, the mindset of, hitting a good a good shot and then being up and then something crappy happens it happens on the next shot or the next hole and it kind of snowballs and how is the emotional roller coaster of golf connected to life good question um there's a lot of similarities that come with you know being on the golf course and then being you know in life in general mm -hmm. um you get so whenever i'm on the golf course the, the thought is i'm trying not to think about anything mm -hmm. But then you get out on the golf course and you start thinking about everything. You're thinking about what you want for dinner. You're thinking right. about <laughs> what am I going to do tomorrow with, um, with my parents? What am I going to do for work tomorrow? Did I remember this charge? And it starts to take a toll on you. It's like, wait a second, what am I doing out here? And usually by the first five holes, that all starts going away. And you're thinking of just, hey, just happy to be out here. You're thinking about how nice it is, the weather, whatever it may be. But you go through different emotions when you're playing. Mm. You're you're up, you're down. You're up, you're down. It's it's not just a one even keel uh, emotion. And um, you know it's it's just something that it's just special about the game because it makes you think so much about <sighs> about what what it is you want to accomplish when you're out there. Are you just going out there to have a good time? Are you working on something or are you just trying to get away from everything? And for me, it's, it's all three, it's all three. And, mm -hmm. and that's, what's so special. It's, it's so different than any other sport is that it's really, it's, a, it's really a thinking game. Yes. You're thinking your way around the golf course. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not just playing the game. It's 90% mental. If you're going to hit a good shot, you have to think before I'm going to hit a good shot. And that's what's, and you get all these. And so you get all these tour players that go on these podcasts and people ask, Hey, what, what is your, what is your vision of success? How did you get so good at the game? And they said, well, first of all, I have to know I'm going to hit the shot first. And that if I, if I can't do that, then I'm not going to hit it. And every single podcast I listen to, they think, either the psychiatrist or they thank their parents for, you know, getting them in the right mindset mm. to play the game. And so it's just, it's just interesting to think about that. And I think I'm finally starting to realize, Hey, I need to have 
a good mindset every single time I go out there, whether it's after a work day, long work day, or I'm just rolling out of bed at six in the morning. I need to right. be positive about it. Absolutely. Uh, that's a great, that's a great thing to connect with. And the younger you can connect that in, in as far as to life and also your jobs, having that right mindset. And it does take work. It's not something, okay, good. I got it now. Everything's great. You know, no, you got to work on it the next day and the next day, because there's so many things that come at us in life that, um, it'll knock us down. It'll, it'll make us forget about the success that we had before and you got to reconnect with it. And that's why, you know, uh, Zig Ziglar says it all the time, you know, um, that daily motivation, that, that, that spark that you have to give yourself, it's just like taking a, a bath. It's just, you know, we got to do it every day. And it's, some people don't understand that. And that you're right. That's a great connection point, uh, to, to the game. Um, have you had a hole in one yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> Either have I. Either have I. I'm still, still working on it. That's still working on it. There's so many times that um, I only get out probably you know three times a year now during the summer, but so many times on these par threes and it's on my mind. It's like oh, I, and I can't I can't think about it. Just get the shot, you know, uh, because I see you know clips online. So and so got their fifth hole in one, and and they're younger than me, and they're not even a pro. I understand the pros do it a lot more, but. Um, it is something that um, I've kind of given up on the, the whole idea of bowling a 300 game, but um, hole in one is something I'd really like to have. Have you come close at all? I've hit the flag four different times. Oh. Um, and then one other time I've flipped out. So it's, it's there. It's, <laughs> there's a bit of luck that goes into it as well. Absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still, it's just a hard thing. I've, I've holed out a few times, not for a hole in one, but I've had you know, a few hole outs, but it's so hard to do. It doesn't matter how long the hole is. Right. Absolutely. It could be a so. hundred yard hole or whatever. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't um, matter. You have a bucket list going as far as the uh, courses that you'd like to play. And uh, on the other side of that, what are some of the more famous or not famous courses that you really, really enjoyed that really just challenged you? And it was, it was a great yeah. setup. So I can give you a list of the top five I want to play right now. And the first one is Augusta national. Oh, hello. That's obviously been on my mind for the past three, four years. Um, I plan on going to Augusta next year with hopefully the whole COVID thing getting, uh, getting better. And so um, Augusta national is definitely on my mind there. Um, I guess I'll do top three and then course called Pine Valley. If you've ever heard of that, yes. which is in, uh, I believe it's in New Jersey. It's in New okay. Jersey. Um, it's one of the top ranked courses in the, in the country, in the world. And so um, it's just, it's a great place. There's very, hardly any pictures of it because it's very remote. It's very exclusive and not many people get to play it. And so mm-hmm. hopefully one day I'll get to play that. And then the third is, I'm not sure if you've heard of this one. It's relatively new in Australia. It's called Terra Edie. Mm, no, I haven't. Um, it's, a, it's a remote private club that essentially um, four members founded about five years ago. Mm. And it's still being talked about, still being ranked by Golf Digest. But it's very similar abandoned in a way that it kind of cuts through the dunes. It... Uh, it's it's very it's very unique. I'll have to show you pictures of it one day and yeah. for the viewers. But um, it it essentially just cuts right through the beaches, 
of uh, the Pacific Ocean, Ooh. and they hardly did any work to it. They just have everything's very, um, it's very natural. They didn't cut many, you know, bunkers into it or anything. It's just very natural and um, it's very scenic. It's one of the coolest clubs I've ever seen, and it'd be a cool place to go and, and play one day. Wow, man, that does sound like a good one. And then, so some of the courses have you played outside of the United States? Is there some some course that really struck your heart as far as connecting with you? Yeah, yeah, the old course. Uh, yeah, I got I got a chance to play the old course last uh, year at St Andrews which is um, one of the, the coolest places ever. You know, it's one thing to see it on TV. It's one thing for people to say, hey, yeah, the old course, it's one of the first courses ever built. It's, you know, traditional like any other. And then you go and play there and you say, this is, they're right. It, everything's true about this place and more. Uh, it's one of the, you know, it, all the tee times are booked every single day. Luckily, I, was, I, was got, I got into the lottery system, so I didn't have to wake up extremely early to wait right and so i was able to play three o'clock on a friday mm. and i was able to kind of see the sunset it was a sunny day oh. so i got to see the sunset over the 18th hole and crowds of people just waiting on you on 18 it's coolest feeling ever walking down the swillican bridge uh. taking pictures it's you know and playing well too helps so i was able to do that and it was unbelievable i was so glad i got to play there um and i guess the other one too more in state was bandon when i got a chance to work out there playing okay. all those courses oh, yeah. and i take it for granted now <laughs> how special they are when you get to play it every day and it makes me just want to go back and play bandon dunes more with um, how similar it is to scotland and now being over from scotland to bandon it's very similar in the way the turf is it's similar with the way they cut through the greens the ocean views, um, everything's very similar. And a lot of people don't get to experience that. They don't get to go to Scotland and abandon. No kidding. And so I can tell you firsthand, they're very similar. And it's about as true links you're going to get in the United States. So I'm very fortunate to play both those courses. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great that you realize that too. That, that's something special. So the old course over at St. Andrews, was it emotional for you? Just thinking about all the greats that have played there and the things that you've seen on TV from certain spots and uh, how was the feeling over there? Yeah. The, well, first hole too is very, you know, very unique in a way that, Hey, don't miss this fairway or, <laughs> or 18, don't miss the fairway or else you're going to get a lot of crap from your buddies. But right. yeah, you, you go, you go around and you'll see like hell's bunker. You think of all the shots that have been played out of there. You think of, you know, some of the history that's been made with some of the par fives or, you know, going to 17, you're thinking, can I make par here? Um, and then you're thinking just some of the shots that people have hit in their lifetime, you're, you're standing there. Like you said earlier, it's like, wow, look all the history that's been here for 500 years. And I'm playing this course. Who just, why, how am I so lucky to be here with all these great players that have, you know, play here almost every year. Right. And you think about that and it almost, takes your breath away just you know thinking about what what can I do to kind of uh, etch my etch my name in history around here and it's just it's an experience that I think everyone should take if you're a true golfer you need oh. you need to go play the old course oh boy yeah absolutely man I love that so all these different courses that you've uh, played visited is there uh do you got some type of collection going? You got a lo any logo ball collection or any any mementos that you have uh, a collectible thing for? 
I've been kind of slacking over the past couple of years, but <laughs> I used to collect uh, ball marks and tees. Uh, okay. Most of the, most of the places I played have all had logo tees or logo ball marks that I would keep up. Um, and I've got um, scorecards too. I I would say if I if I keep anything from rounds, it's scorecards, mm. and then I uh, I always keep them um, with all my valuable things just so one day I can make a room with all the scorecards and then. Um, the tees and ball marks that I've collected, but no logo balls, but definitely the scorecards, I would say, um, I keep just okay. to kind of reminisce on, you know, some of the good holes I've had and the memories that I share with those different places. Absolutely. So a lot of times on, on TV, you see uh, the players, um, they got their, their notebook. It, it, do you have something like that where you've taken notes on um, playing certain courses and um, jotting down little thoughts, reminders, lessons. Do you have that? Is it something that you take with you all the time and add to it on the different courses you play? Depends on what course it is. If it's a course I know I'll come back and play, I jot down notes. Okay. I jot down some of the holes that um, I think break more than they, than they should. And if I know I'm going to return back, like, Working at Bobolink, I have a whole notebook full of different notes that I write down because I know I'm going to keep playing it. And But if it's just, you know, playing one course one time, I'll usually jot down my favorite hole. Mm. And then I will write down – Oh, and so one of the things I've been doing now after playing some of these courses is writing down one good thing I've done during the round. Nice. And then – even if it's a very bad round, I have to find something yes. positive from that yes. round and write it that. down. And that sticks with me because I won't look at the score. I'll look at what I wrote down first. Mm. What, what did I do positive that round? And then that carries over to the next round. I've got a positive thought in my head already. And so it's kind of a, a, a cycle now that, you know, of just positive thoughts that I write down and I'll remember. That's I don't right. worry about the score so much. I'll worry about what's the one thing I did that was very positive in that round. Right. Love it. And that's the, that's the beauty of this game is there's always something good that you've done, whether it be a, a short pressure putt for a par, you know, or a certain drive, you know, there's always something good. And then there's the bad, but you got to focus on the good. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah, you true. You have to, you have to. Yeah. I love that. Um, so the note taking came to mind because um, I did a few podcasts on, we went to the masters last year. A uh, friend of my wife, good friend, Heather, got us in there, um, and we went to Monday's practice round. And I wanted to see the back nine first, and so we went uh, down. You know, I saw, the, you know, in the trees there where Bubba Watson hit his shot from a few years ago and curled it around. Mm -hmm. uh, right. And we came up, and there's some people coming the other way. And on that course, you know, you're not allowed to have cell phones. And mm -hmm. so you had to talk to people, which was a great Great idea from the past, right? And so all these people come in and there's this buzz. And I said, hey, who's coming in up there? And he goes, oh, that's Tiger's group. They're coming into the 14 on the side. So I'm like, oh, let's get over there. So we got there. And these guys, they were, they, as in their approach shots, they intentionally hit it to certain areas. They were playing a couple balls, but they, it was the safe misses. It was where, you know, based upon the pin placements, because when they got up there, um, the caddies marked four little pencils uh, in, in the green uh, where the pin placements were going to be. And Tiger, mm -hmm. all of them, Fred Couples was working with them, um, and they were all working on different shots from the different spots. And so they're not just out there trying to hit a one shot and, oh, let's go to the next hole. 
the work that goes into those things and the note taking just was just awe-inspiring. I mean, it just took my game to just a laughable, like a putt-putt type of game, you know, playing on some fun course. But there's the work that goes behind it that you don't see on TV. And you, and you also brought up things that you don't see on TV. That course, um, and you'll love it when you get there, it is so hilly. Like, it, it, it takes effort to walk around that course. Um, and the greens are totally different. Um, but the work that goes behind the scenes, I think I just got a whole new love of the game because of that. So obviously you've seen that, and the, but that's what brought up the note-taking and the, and the precision work that you don't see on TV, do you? It's not all fun and glamor. Right, right, and people fail to realize, um, especially the caddies. Caddies are, oh. it's, it's a seven-day-a-week job. Those guys get there, if a tournament starts on Thursday, they get there on Monday, Tuesday. And if they make the cut, they're staying till Sunday. It's a week, they're working, whatever. They're working 12 hours a day for seven days a week sometimes. And those guys get there Monday, Tuesday. They, like you said, they take notes. They go around. They go. They walk 18, and then they're they're uh, going on the greens and they're marking every single break mm-hmm. to every single green. If you see, if you go and see a, a caddy's uh, yardage book and his notes, they have at least 30 pages of notes oh my God. with every single hole, and then they have the wind direction that they'll see how fast it's going and where the ideal shot is to each green. And so when the players get there on Tuesday, Wednesday, they already have an idea of, Hey, where do I want to hit this shot? And the caddy has it. Mm. And so it's very different. It's very, it's a very demanding job with a very good reward. Obviously you get to, you know, work with a guy and, and stay on the golf course and everything, but it's very demanding. A lot of people don't, don't know how much work that goes into a caddy and a player's job. Oh, absolutely. And it's, uh, I think a lot of people just take it for granted. You know, they just uh, they just show up and out there having fun. It is a seven-day-a-week, you know, 12, 14-hour days, and the caddies are up early. And, you know, you hear stories of, oh, you know, Rory overslept at this tournament or whatever, and he had to have police escort. You know, caddies, <laughs> you cannot oversleep. You know, it's no. – uh, you better have three or four alarms ready to go just in yeah, case, you know? Exactly. Um, who would, uh, as we wrap things up here uh, with Tyler James, uh, this is just so enjoyable to start my day off with, I got to tell you. Um, who, who would be your dream foursome to play with? Mm. Like, you could be the fifth. Uh, you could have four guys out there. And they, oh, could be alive, they could be alive or they could be, <laughs> they could have passed on already. Your dream foursome. Um, we'll go... So we'll go Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he has a lot. You know, he's one of my idols growing up. I'd love to pick his brain a little bit. Um, we'll go Michael Jordan because mm. he's a very competitive player, and I believe that would make for a really good scotch game or a, <laughs> or some sort of money game going on. Um I put you in that category. Oh my God! I put you, you on my me. team. And Thank you. You'd have to I, carry me. I hope you got strong shoulders, strong back, there, <laughs> I got, my friend. I got, yeah, I got a strong back. Good. And I put, let's see, um, I put, I put Phil Mickelson in there too. Mm. I, I, I don't want to keep it all golfers, but those two together would just be such an, an incredible experience seeing how competitive they all are against each other. 
and it would just be it'd be a good five summit oh. it'd be a great time that's uh, oh man I, I just man thank you holy cow i've never yeah. you know i haven't asked, asked that question to many people obviously but uh, for you to throw me in there, buddy. Thank you. You sure yeah. you don't want to have a mulligan or a redo there? No, Get somebody no, else in there. Okay. No, I, I think you'd you'd perform pretty well under the pressure. Oh, so. please! Wow, that would be uh, that would be interesting. Um, what's your favorite uh, type of golf to watch, and whether it be tournament play? Uh, me, for me, it's the Ryder Cup. You know, Presidents Cup definitely. It's not Presidents Cup is definitely exciting, but the Ryder Cup to me just is the top notch it's my super bowl it is my favorite mm -hmm. sporting event to watch um but is it something like amateur play the you know what, what do you like best as far as watching golf i i would agree with you with right the Ryder cup is probably my it's the, it's the most exciting to watch yeah um as far as what i get most out of i love watching um the college Mm. Um, when they start, when they play against the college match play events. Yes. Um, yeah. I feel like, I feel like I learn more about my, my swing and about my, my game more when I watch these guys play because th it's relatable. Mm. Those guys are all my age. They're all, you know, they're all nervous. They're all ready to jump up on tour and they're all good and they all care too. And that's the one thing about pro sports that sometimes I don't like is that, you know, some of those guys, it almost seems like they're just doing it for a paycheck. Mm. And not many of them. There's some of them. Most of them are, are great, and they, they love the game still. But, you know, the money can get to you sometimes. But when you see some of these college kids trying to come up, they have the raw emotion. They have that drive that people want to see. Mm. And that's why it's so enjoyable to watch them. Or, like, like you said, the amateur play when they have – They'll have the amateur play abandoned this year. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch, mm. you know, how fiery those kids get. And but definitely the Ryder Cup too. The Ryder Cup is it's just so much emotion, so much passion that goes into it. And, and you kind of see a pattern here. People like watching emotion and passion. Yes. And so the Ryder Cup being one of those. And and for me, yeah, college and amateur is, you know, a absolutely something I, I love to watch. That's fantastic. Yeah, me too. I love I love that. You mentioned college. That's a great thing to because a lot of people don't watch the college golf, but boy, when it's on, I love watching it. Uh, so for Tyler, for Tyler James, what's the next five years look for you? Um, so the next few years, I think I'm going to do the same thing and travel a little bit and kind of see, um, you know, what what the world has to offer me. I'm an open book right now, which Good is you. Uh, which is great because I have so many different opportunities I can, I can make for myself. And so I'll probably end up in Arizona for the next couple of years, end up at Bob Link for the next couple of years. And then um, hopefully, you know, uh, a door opens up and I can take my, take my career to the next level and, and start to really work down the dream of running my own golf operation, um, working on the food and beverage side and, mm. You know, just making a name for myself in, in the PGA sector. So hopefully, you know, I'm an open book and um, I'm going to travel and, and see what it kind of brings me. Love that. Love that plan. Love that plan. You said you listen to um, some podcasts with golfers. What, what's up? Is there a favorite one of them that uh, people could tune into that can get a lot of value out of? Yeah. If you're, if you're a golf fan, go check up No Laying Up. No Laying Up's a, uh, it's a group of five people and they're all, they've all been buddies since college and they, uh, they, they do different stuff. It's more of a uh, not comedic golf value, but there's some serious uh, 
some serious golfers that come on there, like Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, have all been on there a few times, and they all uh, they all share some some pretty personal stuff. And then they'll also get, you know, up and comers who come on there, and um, they share their stories too about you know past past troubles, past issues, and kind of the same same issue with um, you know how they got into golf and, mm-hmm. and everything. So. Um, and then they do YouTube videos too, where they travel around the world and play golf and, uh, they'll do different events. They'll do different, um, different things to kind of get the viewers to watch. And they're, uh, they're, they're really good. Their podcasts are great. I would go check them out and, um, give them a listen. That's cool. Ah, thank you so much, man. You know yeah, what? Absolutely. Like I said, this has been enjoyable for me. I know you got a busy day ahead of you. Um, and so I'm going to let you go so you can get going on, on whatever you got to do. Uh, but this has been a great talk. I hope we can do it again sometime. Uh, any, any final thoughts for the listeners? Cause you know what, part of it also, I think is knowing you back in high school, like I do, um, you had no clue this was coming. You had no clue that, right. you know, and, and in high school when you're young, there's, there's these worries about, you know, what am I going to do? Or are things going to work out? I mean, it's obviously working out for you, right? I mean, it, you know, it's hard work. It just didn't happen. It just didn't right. drop in your lap. But any any final thoughts as far as your journey so far that uh, people can take, even if they're not into golf, you know, whatever they're doing? Yeah, just just be open to, you know, anything in, in the life. So mm. just don't stick to one thing. Just be open about different ideas, different experiences. And um, that's what happened to me. And I ended up taking this journey that I never thought I would, I'd do. And and so just be open to different things, work hard. Um, like we said earlier, n- nothing in life comes easy. So mm-hmm. if you work hard and, you know, you respect other people, then you're going to make it far in whatever you decide to do. It doesn't have to be golf. It can be, um, it can be working as a mar- marketing uh, major or whatever, whatever it may be. So just be open, um, have that leadership ability that um, people need leaders in this world. Oh, like, you know, like, like you always preached in high school so you know be a leader and try not to be a follower and just be open to anything yeah love that oh very good well thank you tyler for joining me this morning i really appreciate it i hope you have a good day just hang on a little second here as i wrap up all right you guys hope you enjoyed that that was just a fantastic way to start my day with my coffee and um get a look at something that you know what you probably don't know too many people uh that are uh, a professional pga uh, member and the behind the scenes stuff of what they do and um, the hard work that it takes. That's not all glamour on TV. There's, there's stuff that every day is difficult and challenging. So, Hey, find me over on Facebook over at coach to expect success over on Twitter at coach to success, uh, Instagram coach John Daly. And of course, coach to expect success.com book list is growing. Uh, the blog is being updated. Uh, you can reach out on the homepage there and contact me and uh, hope you liked uh, today's session with Tyler and, uh, Hopefully uh, you are doing whatever you want to do today to make yourself better, just like Tyler's doing. I know he's got something planned today, as I tr- as I do too. That's going to make us better, and that's uh, you know every day, like Dr. Jeff Lip says all the time. Every day, just try to be better than the day before. Okay, you guys, hope you enjoyed that. Take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk again soon. See you.